Hey everybody, welcome back to The, the Yamcast. Here we go again with another episode. Multiple, multiple annual episodes. And this one's the annual episode on love. <laughs> so we uh, are just loving spending time with you. I'm Chris. And I'm Erica. Here we are trying to do things all about young adults and young adult ministry. So this episode is kind of geared more towards that age group as all are, but everybody is welcome. So yeah. pull up a seat or if you're driving in your car, get a nice beverage, something to snack on and join us. Yeah. And then let's go. So I, I do wonder what the, the preferred snack is for people who are in the car. What is your preferred snack in the car? Oh, so road trip snacks. Yeah. I like, so I have to have some sweet and salty okay. going on, right? Yeah, totally. So it can vary, but I do really like Fritos chili cheese. Yeah. Those things are delicious. Swedish fish. Why are you looking at me like That's that? That's less of a sweet and more of a... Like what would you call that? It's, gel- it's a gelatinous form made thing. But it's like my kind of sweet <clears throat> where it's actually not super sweet. So got I could you. eat you don't like multiple it. and not I got you. Okay. feel like I just got diabetes. <laughs> so you know but i also really like i think it's is it annie's aunt annie i don't know what the popcorn's called yeah it, annie's An- like no that. i think it's annie's annie's because you're thinking of auntie ann's the pretzels at the that that's the name that he's thinking of yes but this is the popcorn yeah. comes in a purple bag it's the sweet and salty yeah they're organic foods yeah yeah that's really good they have a really good mac I and cheese i can go through an entire bag of that thing okay so and that's healthy for you Compared to other stuff. Compared to, yes. Comparatively, yes. Yeah. Pull bag, moderation definitely out the window. So. Okay. What about you? I'm a big fan of pretzels. Uh, but you got to have a beverage with that. Yeah. That really oh, no. It's the whole the mouth It's dry. the whole deal. It's the uh, pretzel bits. Those ones that are like broken up in a bag. Oh, okay. Sweet. You know, like honey mustard okay, flavored. Okay. Onion, honey yeah. mustard and onion. I see what you're and saying. Then, then a diet Pepsi because you got to round it out the healthy... Can't go, get can't go full crazy. circle unhealthy. Yeah, here. you're having one caloric problem, and you can't add another <laughs> caloric problem to the problem. That's not a, that's not the way to go. Uh, and then uh, you know, anything else? I love a, a good bar mix. They sell those at like Costco. It's a huge thing of like what they would dump on a table in a bar. That's why they call it bar mix okay. or pub mix. Mm-hmm. I think they call it too. Yeah, or a uh, there's like a mix that's kind of a salty sweet. Chili mix. Okay. I don't know. Something like that. So like a little bit of a variety in there. Pretty much depends on how many hours I've been in the car Mm. and how long I've stood at the gas station waiting for my family to go to the bathroom. Yeah. I think, I think your, your preferred things definitely go down the amount of times you've been in like, or how long you've been in the car. Right. Correct. And eventually it's a five hour energy. Yeah, right. That tastes terrible, but it'll keep you awake. And then you add other stuff on top of it. Like getting that roller food. I don't to do that anymore. No. I love you say anymore. I haven't done roller food since probably 2007. That is a ways. I just, I realized the buns are hard. The hot dogs don't taste that good. And I don't even know what a taquito is. Well, or like they call them like tornadoes or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying like, like like if I buy taquitos at a store, I trust it more than on a roller thing. Yeah. So I don't do roller food anymore. I don't even do like pizza at a gas station unless it's mm. Casey's. Oh, okay. That's the only one I trust. The rest of them. Bad. Get out. Get out. 
So that's not what we're talking about today. Okay, no, not at all. Although there is something about our food choices that does lead into today's episode. I mean, I do love food. (laughs) I just mean more, we're talking about male versus female. Yeah. Food choices. Okay. Yeah. Which... Oh, yeah, opens we're up our topic, right? Right, we're different. We're different. I didn't yeah, know if people knew that. Yeah, we're we're all different. We're made unique, and we complement one another. That's really what the Bible tells us. Yes, and so if you haven't picked up on, we've really tried to segue into it. <laughs> we are talking about love. Technically, this is going to come out after Valentine's Day. It wasn't supposed to, but you know, COVID, Life. snowstorms. <laughs> Living in the Midwest in winter, things uh, get postponed and rescheduled, and you just have to roll with it. Yeah, so, it's going to be 20 below on Valentine's Day this week. Very cold. So if you live somewhere else, don't talk about it because we don't want to know that it's warm or Yes, else. we're specifically talking to you, Cambria. We don't want to know how warm it is in California. Yeah. Um, and actually, she's technically in Colorado now. Oh, she is. But still, she went to Florida for like a thing she had to do with yes. her organization anyways and so i was still like yeah i don't want to hear about it regardless whatever her posts say i'm not a big fan no no they're too beachy and yeah if you're from Cal- and that was beach beach e sorry if, from, if you thought that was a different from word california or florida anywhere on the coasts specifically the southern coasts mm-hmm. we don't really want to hear it right now i'm sorry because we're in something called a polar vortex like which we, is that seems to be a normal thing every year i don't know what happened for like the last five years but it's a Normal I'm, I'm with you. I think El Nino disappeared in the polar vortex. Yeah. Appeared. So we... <laughs> we still have it transitioned. <laughs> I know. We have it. I apologize. <laughs> so we um, put this out on Facebook. Not Facebook. Yeah. Instagram. It went to Facebook too, but the polls don't always work as well. But we have 43% of the people who took the poll. So not quite our listeners, but 43% said they were single. 53% they said they were dating. So it's like basically half and half. So this is for everyone. Yeah, that's also 96%. So I'm trying to figure out where the other 4% went. You know, I think they probably, they, I don't know, didn't they, want to do They put anything. down other. Or maybe I wrote down my percentages wrong. That could be a possibility. No, I'm sure it's right. 4% married. Maybe. Let's assume that. Or maybe it's the 4% that didn't actually take it. <laughs> I don't know how that all works. They're like, I'm just putting down, I don't know. They're like, I don't even want to. Complicated. Skip. It's complicated. I mean, that's the thing that's on Facebook now. Maybe that's the status that they're trying to use. So something, I mean, we talked a little bit about, started a little bit about this with our food preferences, but something that a listener did bring up that we, she kind of wanted us to chat about was just us being better, like even just the church being better or, you know, being better about us really understanding the differences between girls and guys and how that is very helpful in relationships. It's very helpful in relationships. It's not a super popular topic in the culture that we live in today. That is very true. So really, as we start this episode, and it's our first annual love episode, like we just talked about, uh, we've done it many times before. This is the first annual. And (laughs) when we talk about love, one of the first things we need to do is remind people that we're looking at everything from a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. right? The lens that we're looking at the world through is is biblical in mind, not the culture. Yes. And our, our culture is losing its mind uh, over and over again in a number of, t- of areas and categories. So when we start talking about the difference between guys and girls, we understand that that might make some people freak out a little bit, might get a little bit worked up. We're talking a very broad brush here, mm, very, broad, broad yeah. strokes, and we're talking about typical 
uh, psychological data that comes up. So while your significant other may not totally fit the norm here, it doesn't mean that your significant other is totally weird. It just means that they are probably a smaller percentage of the categories of what we're talking about. So one of the first things that we think about when we t- think about the difference between guys and girls is how their brain works. Mm-hmm. So unpack that for me a minute. Yeah. So I've heard somebody talk about it as like spaghetti versus waffle, right? right. So the, the female brain being more the spaghetti where everything is touching everything. It's all intertwined. It is all together. Right. Whereas the, the male brain can be more like a waffle and it can be in its compartments and it is can things don't have to touch. Things don't have to overlap. Work can be work. Home can be home. And they don't yeah. have to affect each other. Whereas with the female brain, it is a lot more of the spaghetti. Work will probably affect my home. My home will probably affect my work. You know, like everything mm-hmm. affects everything. I remember being taken aback when I was in college. And this was another female, but she, somebody had asked her how she was doing. And she's like, well, this is going okay. And this is like, she was good at compartmentalizing. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that. Because I was like, if one thing's bad, the whole thing is bad. And so... Um, even then I just saw, I mean, yes, as even females, some of us can be better at compartmentalizing than others. And I am not very good at compartmentalizing, which I, but I think men are a little bit better at that. And not that one is better than the other by any means, no. but that's just, I think a reality that we have. But as we talk through relationships and as we talk through love, we're again, with a broad brush here, we're painting a scenario that's probably going to come up at some point in a conversation. So there are times in in a relationship where your significant other, being the opposite sex, views the world completely differently than you do. Mm -hmm. And so what psychologists do then is they pull back from that and they say, okay, based on what we're seeing over the, you know, the statistics of all human beings that we've worked with, these are things we can think about. And the spaghetti idea of the female brain being an intertwined clump of, of spaghetti noodles that all yes, affect other areas. And then the guys just are dumb and can only handle one thing at a time. I'm just kidding. That's not how they view it. But there is this part of, you know, right now it's football time. So it's football. And then mm-hmm. later now it's Baseball. time. Now it's time to have yeah. dinner. We're going to have dinner. Oh, now it's time for sleep. We're going to have sleep. And the next morning, now it's time for work. I'm going to go to work. You know, oh, I'm going to shower first. And there is an element of truth to that, that when you're trying to even discuss things with your partner, you... In my case, I am very good at compartmentalizing. I wouldn't be able to accomplish most of what I do if I didn't, if didn't. If I didn't like be able to break it up. But there are moments where I realize that I'm talking from this square and my wife is speaking from a number of touch points that are all affecting her. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing, okay, I need to branch out here a little bit and be able to communicate better with her. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like that's something that you're learning and experiencing as well. Oh, yeah. I mean... And a lot of it, too, is we as women, a lot of times I feel like our brains don't shut off right. either. So and because it's all connected, I feel like sometimes with men, they actually within their waffle have probably a nothing square or like literally they're thinking of or multiple of nothing. You know, yeah, they're scattered around the board. But and so I think sometimes we can um, already be five minutes into a conversation in our head and then we mm-hmm. bring it up to them and then we're shocked that they're not at the same page we are. And it's like, but you you did this all on your own. You need to now catch them up. I and mean, it's kind of the same thing you were mm-hmm. saying about having to adjust that. I mean, even just making sure 
with our like I heard somebody talk about blue glasses versus pink glasses okay. and and that that's kind of what we're looking at too like we have a certain lens also yes we talked about the biblical but even just a female lens of which I'm looking at the world through and then the male lens and that we sometimes need to take those off and really understand the other the other lens a little yeah. bit I mean this this is kind of a simple analogy but a male and a female can both look at their closet and say, I don't have anything to wear. Right. Whereas the male is saying, like, I have nothing clean, most likely. And the female is usually saying, I have nothing new. Saying the same thing, but, yeah, very different from different, very different places. Yeah. And, and that's helpful <clears throat> to realize that you're viewing the world through a lens that makes sense to you. And part of the difficulty of relationships and, and specifically marriage is you are now trying to also look at the world through their lens as best you possibly can. And that is exacerbated or made more difficult by if they have other lenses to add on to that. Mm, which what we all do, right? Right. So then you're you're coming at it too possibly from a family perspective, right? So, you know, I know we're going to talk later a little bit about roles, but you might have a situation of this is the female's job or this is the male's mm-hmm. job. And you both grew up in a family that those roles were settled by your parents. And now you're trying to bring that role into your relationship, but you're not able to communicate. I'm viewing the world through this lens. Mm -hmm. And to go one step above that, you know, I've worked with a number of couples who married someone outside of their cultural perspective altogether. And I'm not even talking about within states, but that is possible too. You know, like, um, you know, if you're a Southerner and you marry a Northerner, that those are two different cultures. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't mean that in like a civil war sort of way. I just mean we're different. You know, if I, you know, a, a California person has a different perspective on the world than someone from Chicago. It's, yeah. it's just reality. And then you go one step further than that. If, if you're from, you know, one of my friends from Milwaukee married a Haitian, that's a major difference. Like, so, yeah. so you're looking at the world in such a way that your lenses are sort of set for you. And now you've got to realize that there's multiple lenses that you've got to sort of catch up with. So I totally agree with the blue glasses versus pink glasses idea or comments that we make are taken in a certain way, right? That's yeah. kind of the next idea that we're wanting to move into. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it can go both ways, but I, I do see this um, happening on the female side a lot more too where um, your boyfriend, whatever, will say something that is not meant to be taken poorly but we end up getting super defensive right. and sensitive about it. And then usually instead of voicing that or communicating that, we actually just passive aggressively probably say something back that doesn't need to be said, you know? So I think us even just understanding that whoever we're with, giving them like the benefit of the doubt, understanding that they have a good heart and that, yeah, probably what they said wasn't actually meant to be. Right taken that way and I think we can just take a lot of things and as our spaghetti brain does and connect these dots that maybe weren't meant to be connected and what's the harm with giving your partner the benefit of a doubt like what have you really lost yeah all you've done is given them grace mm-hmm. and helped to try to think this through so one of the things that we we've talked about numerous times in our marriage Heidi and I is I will have to say something like, I'm not putting a value statement on this. This is just true. Such as, you know, like if I say, we've only got a few hundred dollars left in the account right now. I just mean that as a fact. 
Whereas I would take that as like you're spending way too much money. Correct. Right? Yeah. That's so the, that's, that's what we're talking that's about. That's the yeah. spaghetti brain aspect is, so you're telling me that I've spent too much money this month. And I, I have to back up and go, I, I totally understand why that's what you heard. And I'm using this as an example. This is not, there's, there's, I'm, there's a dozen other ones that I don't want to talk about because whenever I bring Heidi up without her uh, permission, I get talked to later, uh, which is still going to come up in this episode <laughs> multiple times. But one of the things that, you know, we'll do. So like back to that money thing, you know, if I say we only have a few hundred dollars left in the account, she'll hear either stop spending or I've spent too much. And I'm like, whoa, no, no, no. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just, I'm telling you the the fact I, I do the bills. I'm in charge of the accounts. I'm monitoring all of this. And we just need to be aware of mm-hmm. where we're at right now. And then she'll be like, oh, okay. Okay. And I'll just say, there's no value attached to that statement. It's just truth. It's just a true statement. Yeah. No, the flip side though is, and this, this is true of a lot of females in my life. Um, not just my wife, but when they make a comment of there's only a couple hundred dollars in the account, there is something attached to that. There's some type of value attached to it. And so what's funny is, you know, you said girls can be oversensitive and defensive. I I don't know that guys are any different. The problem is it's a, it's a communication issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, when, when guys get sensitive and defensive, it has less to do with, we've assumed you've said something about us, which is typically what I deal with when I'm working with Mm -hmm. the other, the, the other sex, the issue that. Uh, it comes my way is I start to read it through my lens and I put a whole bunch of other stuff on it that shouldn't be there. Mm. So it's similar, but different. And so, you know, I might hear something from Heidi, like, you know, uh, she says something very basic and I hear it through, you're never going to be good enough. Mm. You're you're just like the failures in, in your family. And, and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, in my heart, I'm like, what is going on? And then I have to go walk and talk to the Lord for a little while. And then he shuts me up and tells me I'm being kind of dumb. And then we we move in a better direction. Yeah. So <laughs> we we really need to understand that we are different. We are fallen creatures. Like disagreements and miscommunication is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that person because I think what also can be an issue is like you go in thinking that person is going to complete you or it's just going to mm-hmm. be this fairy tale. That's not going to happen. They are not going to completely you, complete you. They are actually not going to make you feel loved 100% of the time. Like it's not going to happen that way. What? I know. Shocker, right? <laughs> they're, and I think a big thing too is like they're not going to be able to read your mind. So don't just give like the – like the kind of kind of like passive aggressive comments or just like hints just be blunt about it and be honest about it and be open about it and communicate and then things usually will run far more smooth than if you just hope that they're going to get it you know yes i would say be blunt but also learn each other's communication styles right so learn what offends the other person and then figure that out like part of the beautiful thing about marriage and about relationships in general is you being with someone from the opposite sex, it actually sharpens you. You, yeah. you get better. So one of the great comments when we were doing premarital counseling, uh, Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Marriage. And, and I think I've brought this up before, but marriage does not make you happy. It makes you holy. It sets you apart. It changes your mindset. It starts to help you see the real issues with yourself. And that would not happen if I weren't married to someone from the opposite sex, Heidi in the way that she thinks and the way that she lives and the way that she views the world actually helps me be a better, well-rounded individual because we're, we're for lack of a better term, sharpening one another, yeah. right. Or rubbing off on one another would be the way to put it. So Heidi is a little bit more calm and collected 
because of her relationship with me, because I just I I joke all the time. I have no emotions. I'm a robot, you know, and that's not true. But yeah. it, but there's a part of me that's just like I don't really care what people think about these things. And on the flip side, I've learned from her deep compassion and deep relationships and ways in which she, you know, I, I appreciate art differently because of her. You know, I walk into a house and I see potential that I wouldn't have seen if it weren't for her. And so we're rubbing off on one another and we've realized that our marriage, the day that we said I do, and, and you know, the weeks before that too, as we were engaged and moving toward marriage, but this entire process of a lifetime together is she's supposed to become better because I'm in her life and I'm supposed to become better because she's in my life. And if we viewed marriage that way, mm-hmm. not that she's going to make me happy and she's going to fulfill me. And I'm not saying that she hasn't in a number of ways, but I'm just saying my goal isn't that. That's, that's what Gary's saying. My goal is not happiness. My goal is holiness. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be changed by this other person. If we, if we took relationships to that extent or marriage to that extent, we would have a more biblical view of what marriage really is. Because in the same way, that's what Paul's talking about in all the letters when he says things like, this is, we're talking about marriage. It's a deeper, you know, whether we're talking about Romans or 1 Corinthians, he's saying marriage is a picture of the relationship with God, with humanity. And so God is loving us so much that he's willing to sacrifice everything to show us how to be better. And our goal is to mimic that in our relationship with our spouse. Yeah. Being around people that are different than us actually is what helps to change us. Whenever you're around people that are the exact same as you, no change ever happens. Right. Because you're the same. Right. You don't have different thoughts. You don't have different opinions. You don't have anything different that's going to actually push back on anything that you're feeling or thinking or any of your foundation, none of that. So So you could apply that a ton of areas of your life. You know, what Erica just said was so genius and brilliant. If you just take that comment and think that through and go, oh, maybe that's what summer 2020 was all about. Mm -hmm. Me (laughs) me realizing being around different people people is really, really helpful. Uh, Yes, that's that's part of the solution. So – when we were young, and this kind of like segues into another thing, but like when we back were back before two thousand was even a thing, oh, at least that's for me. Yeah, mine's a little later. Than I know, that. I know. Um, <laughs> but big like things that were coming out was "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," and a lot of people that are listening to this might have no idea what that book was, and I think actually <laughs> the author of that book probably doesn't really even ed- like want that book anymore. I don't know, but um, probably so. But that was about basically, like, as it says, kissing, dating, goodbye, not going out one-on-one. It was more about dating in groups and basically about, like, staying pure and that sort of thing. That's part of the premise. The other part of the premise, cause did you did you actually get forced to read it at any point or no? Um, I think I did, but I don't know if I really remember. It's all good. That was a long time ago. The, the One of the main premises, because he ended up writing a book later that said, like, don't stop dating the church. Yeah. And the idea was, is we treat relationships as if they're expendable. Mm-hmm. And so we can just pop from whatever we want to, whatever, to whatever, to whatever. And what he was saying is, if we're really going to understand relationships better, we're going to kiss dating goodbye and we're going to, we're going to approach relationships with a much more mature mindset, which is, is this person someone I could marry? Mm-hmm. Which is more of a courtship model yes. rather than dating. So it, it wasn't even so much that dating was, was bad as much as the way that our culture treats dating is that people are just, we can just use them up as we go through mm-hmm. and we'll just keep using people until we find the one. And he was basically making the case of there's no such thing as the one in the way that you would think about it. You've got to really commit to something and then find out if it works. Yeah. 
I mean, and I think as we do often, things start really good because that sounds amazing. Right. And then what it moves into is we're now signing dating contracts where we will not date. We are now, you know what I mean? Like I felt like it moved into yeah. where we are going to basically not date and ban, right. not ban dating, but kind of. Which is why my school, a Bible college in Chicago, had a book burning of this book. In really? The, yeah, keep going though. But no, I just, and so that's that's my high school was growing up in that, that type of youth group kind of setting. I mean, we still dated, don't get me wrong, but there was a lot more of, yeah, people taking a step back from that, which is not always a bad thing. But then we, you know, get into purity and main, remaining pure before marriage, which mm-hmm. also beautiful thing. Yeah, we're not saying don't do that. No, we're not saying don't do that. But it is really hard to go from that and then you're supposed to now be like doing that a day later. Like that's that's a lot. It's that's a big hard. Thing. Yep. I know that I even dealt with that. Like right after getting married, I was like, oh my gosh, now we're supposed to like I've been abstaining from this for so many years and now I'm just supposed to like do that thing. Like that was that was very <laughs> difficult for me. And I was like, how do you like, and we don't really talk about this. We don't really talk about how you end up just, and I mean, we didn't actually the night of, we did the next day because it was just too much stress. Like I was, I was very stressed out about that whole thing. So, and wanting to very much understand, cause I also very much felt like it was dirty because we're talked so much about not doing it, but then they're like, but it also is beautiful in the marriage. But like so much about not doing it. I very much. Yeah, felt like totally. it was kind of dirty. Um, like, yeah, it made me feel kind of uneasy and, and whatnot. And so even trying to get over that was was a lot. And literally, it's like you're trying to get over that in like a day, you know? Yep. So that was, yeah. I think this is one of the problems with speaking in publicly in general. Like even this podcast, <clears throat> people could take away something from it that they think we're saying and then just run with that and Very say, true. you're totally true. So the the idea of speaking publicly, whether you're talking about a sermon or you're talking about youth group, this is why you and I are so passionate about disciple making more than just a programmatic approach to, you know, come to youth group and listen to something for a half hour and now you've figured life out. So you, yeah. s- you spent a half an hour in an entire week. So out of 168 hours in the week, you spent half of one of those listening to a message that was speaking directly to your life. And now you've figured it out and you're going to go live life crazy. That's not, that's not how it works. And so what ends up happening is kids hear dating contract, stay pure, avoid sex, mm-hmm. and they totally misunderstand what's being said. And so we as communicators need to do a better job of stepping back a little bit and going, here's what the Bible is saying. And, and so in, if I can, let me wrap it up in like a few seconds of what I think the Bible's really saying. God made man and woman to have a beautiful lifelong partnership that replicates what he's doing with humanity. <clears throat> and this replication of, of what he's doing with humanity sharpens us, moves us, pushes us, grows us. And that relationship is meant to be committed to one another till the end of time. And so you don't make that commitment lightly. Mm-hmm. And so part of the reason why groups and youth groups would say, you aren't mature enough, don't start dating yet, isn't necessarily saying, we don't want you to ever date. It's more of a, you're going to just hurt yourself and you don't understand that yet. And so we're trying to help you. And so what ends up happening is then it gets communicated. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't do it. That's 
that's how the kids take it. And I, so we've got to be more careful with our language and say, listen, what we're asking you for is, do you really think that you're ready to commit to marriage right now? And I think every 16-year-old in the room would go, no, no. I have yeah. no desire for that. Okay, then when you really think that you're ready to commit to marriage, then maybe you're ready to have the honest, mature conversation in a relationship that you need to have. And for some kids, that's 18, 19. For some kids, that's a little later. For some people, that they want to have that, that conversation earlier, but they just don't get the opportunity to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. So then if the Bible's telling us that, then the sex piece gets put on top of, of that relationship discussion. And what the Bible is saying is until you've made that commitment, that covenant relationship with one another before God for the rest of time, we don't want you experimenting because humans are important and they're valuable to the extent that we should not be belittling them and lowering their standard as we lower our standard. Even if you love each other, even if you're going to get married someday, like that's Mm -hmm. not the reason to go and, and, and venture into that topic. You venture into that topic, which is really a lifetime exploration of each other sexually and and within love and all that kind of stuff, that exploration of a lifetime together is only meant to be spent when it's within the safety of that covenant relationship. Because then if things don't go exactly the way you want them to go, which that's how most of the people's sex life works, then you have to approach God and go, oh, okay, I need to figure out how to approach it. So whether you're not doing it as much as you think you should, or whether it's you're, you're having to have a discussion about, should we try any of these things or should we do this or should we do that? Like we, we build this up and our culture just says, go do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do with it. Everything's gonna be fine. But the baggage of that and the yeah. The shrapnel that happens in people's hearts because they just believed that that was true. Then they come back to me and they're like, I can't believe I gave myself away to this person. I shouldn't have done that. And we were like, okay, you weren't listening, but you, what you heard was don't have sex, yes. don't, you know, be pure. And what you missed was there was really a beautiful idea of what God's trying to explain to us. But that doesn't get explained well from the pulpit, right? And so then kids just grow up with this complex that needs to be dealt with later. It does. I mean, and we have these all over the place in our lives, these complexes that we're raised with if it's what we've watched our parents do if it's what we've watched on tv it's we all have these these thoughts and ideas and i think what's key to what you were talking about especially when it comes to purity and then sexual intimacy within a marriage is what you were just saying about you have to talk well first you said that it's going to be a lifelong exploration of each other and yes that's not just sexually that's everything but that like you're going to talk to each other about it. You're going to talk to about what what's working, what's not. It's all about communication and it's something that you will work on together throughout your marriage. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a like hit the ground running, everything's great. And it could, but you're still going to go through phases where yeah, one person's maybe wanting more, one's not. You know what I mean? Like there's just going to be mm-hmm. a lot of give and take within that too. So, um and I think that's something that I kind of knew before, but I'm learning a lot more as we're going through it, like just being newly married too, that, yeah, it's, yep. it need, you need to have conversation about it. You need to talk about it. Um, yeah. And that's obviously within a marriage. And as we just talked about, like when you do it outside of, you end up having lots of baggage and things mm-hmm. that, that come in that is not necessary. Right. If you can, yeah, like you don't have to carry that baggage in. Most things that people get freaked out about, about Christianity, at some point in their life, those things make sense. Then the question is, what are you going to do with that? 
right? So, for example, you know, we just finished an election, so the pro-life, pro-choice conversation Always, gets yeah. blown out of proportion big time. But what my pro-choice friends don't don't see are the individuals who come into my office and are completely broken with the choice they just made. And I've done more counseling with, with people who have just incredible collateral damage from yeah. their abortion. Never mind the fact that we as Christians do believe that standing up for the unborn is important because we, we believe that we're supposed to stand up for the for the un the people who don't have a voice. Yeah. Now that's not always done well and it it's yeah. you know, in our culture wants to try to define how we do that. And that's that's part of what we're talking about here. The rub of being a Christian in the culture today, it, it it's hard and we gotta learn how to communicate well in the public square to do this. But I feel like it's I'm responsible to speak for the one who can't speak for themselves, and that's the unborn. At the same time, I've also seen the unspeakable things that happen in my office when someone is really upset about a choice that they made. And they didn't think much of it because they were told by someone, don't really think much of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a, it's a clump of cells. And the whether it's the dreams they have or the nightmares they have about it, the experiences where someone makes a comment and it hurts them and cuts them deeply, all because of choices that they didn't think mattered very much. And so there comes a point when they then have to decide, am I going to do things God's way now? Or am I going to go back and decide to do things my way? Which is the great question of all of scripture. It is. So that's true for abortion. That's true for sex. That's true for relationships in general. And specifically to guys, because I can speak to them better than I can to the ladies. Because I am a guy. Oh, Just oh, to be clear. oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but guys, you probably committed to marriage to some extent because you thought that that was a free ticket to just sex. And I'm not saying that you didn't think it through. I'm not saying that you didn't have the overwhelming experience of like, I'm going to take on someone else's life into my life. This is incredible. Like, I don't know what to do with that. You know, we all have those overwhelmed things. That's where the cold feet things comes from. Like, that's where all these jokes come from before a wedding. But guys, you've married someone that has a completely different outlook on that than you do. Mm -hmm. And the question comes back to what we've sort of established as our baseline in this episode is, are you going to look that through the lens of what God would want you to do and lay your life down for that other person? Or are you going to put undue pressure on that person? Or are you going to raise expectations that make that person feel terrible about themselves that that's just not fair? Or are you going to go looking somewhere else mm. to get what you want? And the problem is the culture that we live in says you and your drive are the most important thing. Yep. Get what you want. And one of the things that would be beautiful for the church is if we stepped back and said, you know what, culture? No. You know, I, I'm thinking about this. Uh, this is a great uh, commercial about a stomach medicine that stops you from getting uh, ulcers. Mm-hmm. But it, the guy's like, step back, you see. Like he's like puts his hand out, like <laughs> stop. Like, but it's like step back, culture. Like stop telling me how to think. Let me use God's word to, to set this. And so like back to what we're talking about, First Corinthians or Romans. Like when you talk about love, and there's some really great love chapters in both of those books. Love is, is defined by selflessness and patience and kindness and goodness and great. It's supposed to be me sacrificing for my partner and them sacrificing for me. And then beauty exists in the midst yeah. of that, that void. Is that how your relationship looks? And if it doesn't, I don't know that that's real love. I, I don't know that you're experiencing what we're talking about in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So, Chris... Erica. Our last little section is kind of just us talking about, I mean, you have been 
married a lot longer than I have. Long time. A lot longer. I'm an old man. But just, yeah, what things did you not really feel prepared for? Or what things have you... I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of them, but if there was anything else that that you feel like, yeah, you wish yeah. you would have known. No, marriage has been a utopia. Everything that I dreamed of, it's been exactly what I thought. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, Heidi and I have both joked with people when we do like, you know, sometimes we'll do a session of premarital counseling together or we have young couples over sometimes we'll just sit and talk. Like we talked to you guys before mm-hmm. the, the wedding. We didn't talk about what we're about to talk about. But um, when we're meeting with a, a couple and we're talking about things, Heidi will say this too. <clears throat> if her whole goal was that I would meet every need, she she had, would be woefully disappointed in our marriage. And the fact that she's able to step back and realize my marriage to Chris is about both of us growing together and learning how to do life together, then that changes everything. So do I do enough housework? No. Do I... Am I as attentive to her needs as she would like me to be? No. Am I ever going to be? Probably not. Am I completely committed to her? Yes. Will I do anything for her? Yes. But I also need to know what those things are. Yeah, so, to be able know, to do them. Yeah, like so, so some of these are just the things that we, you know, you bring up. Like there's moments where uh, she wants, you know, in the beginning she wanted me to have an opinion on color of the wall. She thought that if she brought me into that process mm-hmm. – that we would have done it together and it would be beautiful. I don't care. I don't, I trust her eye way more than I trust mine. We've had that conversation yeah. a lot too. I'm like, I want to know what your thoughts on this. He's like, I don't, I don't really care. care about I, what you put and on it, the wall. And, 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 and even that statement, like she'll look at me with a, you know, a hurt, like I just, you know, wounded her deeply. And I'll just say, no, I don't, I don't mean that I don't care. It's just that you are better at making this decision than I am. I will paint the room. Like, yeah, right. you know, you want me to do the edges because you really like my steady hand and the way that I'm able to cut into the edges just great. I'm totally sold out. You want me to paint the room for the sixth time this year? Absolutely. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one of the jokes that I made when we, you know, bought our first house was, you know, uh, it's getting smaller by layers of paint. You know, the square footage is going down. <laughs> she didn't appreciate that as much as I did. Uh, or, you know, the other thing of... Um, you know, she said, why haven't you painted this yet? And I, I said, I'm just waiting for a month to decide whether you're really going to like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you give, if I give you enough time, four or five weeks, you've changed your mind to the final decision. So I'm mm-hmm. waiting for the final decision before I've I learned this. And, and she's, yeah. and these are all things that we've learned over the time. And, and we've been married 16 years now. So people look at us, you know, I've had kids in youth group or elsewhere, or young, you know, young couples that get married and come and they, they want to meet with us. And they're like, we just want to have a marriage like you guys. Okay. You got to fight. <laughs> like crazy. And I don't mean with each other. You just got to fight for your marriage. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to communicate. You have to push each other's buttons and figure out, okay, Heidi, what are you really saying here? Mm-hmm. Or Chris, I-, I heard this. This isn't accurate from what I thought you were going to say. What do you want? What color do you really want it to be? Do you really not care? What does that mean? Are you really willing to paint for me again? Why haven't you started that yet? Uh, those are all good things that you need to work through and figure out, uh, oh, okay, I'm with another That's, human being yeah. who's got a completely different life and a completely different idea of everything. I probably should step up to to my to the best game I've got here and make it work. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what I would say. What would you say yeah. in a young married life? What have you learned already? Um. Wow. I mean, I think it is important. I mean, in, if you go through premarital counseling, which I think is very important, you do talk about a lot of things that are 
important. So, I mean, one of the things is just division of housework. You kind of talked about this. Yep. Like, what what did you see your parents doing? And so then what do you already expect the other to do or you to do? And I think we already knew ahead of time that, like, I would do the majority of the cooking. And we learned that because I am far more particular about my food right. than he is. He really doesn't care. He'll eat whatever. Whereas I'm like... You're using olive oil, right? Or like, <laughs> why'd you do? Th- why are you doing that? Like I, and then and that also kind of like really hurt him because he's trying to make me a meal and I'm like picking at it, and then I, we just kind of realize like, okay, either I have to just give him a recipe, or I just need to do the cooking. Like we've right. kind of learned that, but he also like loves doing dishes, so it actually works out perfectly. Yeah. So we've just we've talked about a lot of that, so there aren't a lot of issues with housework, which is great. And I mean, because I do the cooking, I also do the meal planning, which I enjoy doing as well. So a lot of that stuff. I mean, we've had to have conversations about physical intimacy and stuff, which Mm -hmm. has been great. I mean, I didn't think I would have them. Maybe like, I don't know. I just, yeah, there's just things I thought would be different. And, but it's also good that we're having them and communicating and, and whatnot. Um, but see, every good Christian marriage does talk about those things. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's hard to talk about, so it doesn't get talked about as much as it should. Which is the discipleship aspect. Yes. Like, you should have people pouring in. You should yes. be, you know, pouring in to others as well. Um, but to be real, like, within the first month, I mean, we, I don't really feel like there are things that I was like, oh, I didn't really realize that mm-hmm. aspect. I mean, part of it is, too, like, it takes time. Like your marriage, like you, when people say, I want to have the marriage like you have, like you've been married for what, 12 years? 16. 16 years. Wow. Even longer than I thought. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, oh five. Gosh. That's when I graduated high school. Yeah. Yep. Been out of school for that long. Um, but like that, that takes time to have that good of a marriage too. Like it's not something that just happens overnight. Cause a lot of your issues too don't happen in one night for you to then no. dissect. It's, no. Things that happen as, you know, as right. life happens. So um, just realizing a lot of that, like, yeah, taking things as they as yeah. they come. And I think it also really helped that we dated for two years and, yeah, really got to know each other's, as you talked about, like communication styles. We got to know each other's love language languages. We got to know each other's, like, personality types and those sorts of things, which right. helps a lot as well. Right. So. And see, <clears throat> so I, I don't recommend – Really, when people come to me, they're like, should we get married at this point? Because we've been married, you know, we've been engaged this long or we've been dating this long. Listen, no one else can put a timeline on us for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For you two, you're both a little older when you yeah. first started dating and you're both independent. And so there's an element of you had to you had to sort of break yourselves of that. You brought that up, you know, very, last yeah, time oh, in, yeah, last time in the monthly five. Yeah. There's there's an element there of I've got to break some of this down before we're able to move together forward. And we're still breaking a lot of that totally. Down too. Yeah. I married Heidi. I was 21 years old. She was 23. We both knew what we wanted to do for our life, and we were completely committed to that idea. But we got married nine months after we met each other. Like we didn't even know each other. We were engaged within four months and got married five months after that. Would I recommend that to everyone? No, but we were completely committed to each other really like a weekend. I mean, we were all in at that point to the point where her dad's like, you know, you're watching a movie with my daughter. What does that mean? And I'm like, well, let's go to lunch tomorrow. And we went to lunch. And he's like, what are you, what's your intention? I'm like, I'm going to marry your daughter. Like, let's talk this through. So I knew what I wanted 
she knew what she thought she wanted. She has met all and more of my expectations of what I thought a wife would be. I have never met no, – like I have never <laughs> met – no, I'm kidding. She, she would say that. That's not true. But I it, – it has been a thing, but we were young. So I would have never dreamed 16 years ago that we would have gone through all the things we've gone through yeah. together. You know, um, really difficult situations multiple times in our marriage. But in those moments – and this is important. I really, really want this to be said in the love episode. In the difficult moments, we've leaned into each other and then into God. And it's not necessarily in that order. Sometimes it's we lean into God so that we can lean into each other. But I, yeah. But my my first move when we're going through a tough time is not I'm going to ostracize my wife from my process here. And so we are committed to our relationship, and we are both committed to our relationship with with Jesus. And so He defines it for us. He is the lens that we view all that through. So when we don't agree on something. Our first move is not to move apart. Our our first move is to try to move closer to one another and figure out why the other person feels the way they feel and then define that and then move forward in our relationship with God together. Because we know the most important thing here is for me to sacrifice of myself and let the Lord lead me and guide me. Yeah. And if you can apply that to any part of your relationship, like if you're just starting a relationship right now, uh, you know, don't rush marriage before it's time. But just understand that, like, if you're just in a relationship, if you go for the selfless side, you're never going to regret that. No. And on the, on the flip side of that, if you're in an older relationship that's struggling right now, it probably has to do with selflessness yeah, and, the, and the lack thereof. And so learning how to communicate those things, learning how to, to be selfless with one another, lean into one another, and then lean into Jesus, man, that's the only way to make it work. Yeah, for sure. So from the old man, that's my advice. <laughs> Well, first annual love episode. Yep, first annual love episode. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we will see you next week. Yeah, I'll catch you on the flip side. All right. Have a, I hope you had a lovely Valentine's Day. Yes. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the App Store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at the Yamcast. Yeah.